You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in our, in our study. And my prayer is that uh, the Lord will, will give you uh, just remembrance as you continue through uh, just your journey of life, and uh, you're going to have anxious uh, moments and uh, days, weeks, months, maybe, and uh, hopefully something uh, that has been said throughout the study. All of these are online as well, if you wanted to uh, review them at any time, and uh, then please uh, avail yourself of that. Turn to Matthew 6, real quick. I'm going to do a little bit of review, and then we will conclude our thoughts here uh, this morning on this study. Again, I think we could have gone... Uh, longer, uh, but I just, uh, I, I just sense the Lord uh, just kind of changing uh, the dire- direction. So we talked at early on in our uh, series about you and I having to have the right perspective. And uh, Jesus, prior to his uh, time on teaching about uh, taking no thought or worrying, wringing your hands, anxiety of life, he really lays out this idea of kingdom of God versus this you know, kingdom of earth or our eyes down here on this earth. Look what it says in verse number 21 of Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Paul also told us in Colossians that we are to set our affections on things above. And so when our, when our hearts and we treasure, uh, it, oftentimes we're thinking only of our pocketbook. No, what, it's, it's a, what, what we're longing for, what... Uh, what, what we are putting great value to, Jesus is saying, hey, let that be kingdom-oriented, the kingdom of God-oriented, rather than just your you know, temporal things in your life. So focusing on earthly treasures produces earthly affections. It blinds our spiritual vision, and it draws us away from serving God. And that is why God promises to, you know, to, to, to provide for these things, the the statement that Marquita was mentioning is, is that we have a single master, God, not money. We are to have a single vision, and that is to be God's purposes. And then that leads to a single goal, treasure in heaven. And remember, I'm not going to take the time so much to unpack that, but, but, but we did and how what that really means, the treasures of heaven, it's more than just what you will give today or whenever you, you know, whenever you give in a, uh, in a month or whatever the case is. It's more than that. It's, it's all the things. Whenever we're kingdom-minded, whenever we're seeking to glorify God uh, in our lives, those are, those are all treasures in heaven. Look at verse number 19 of Matthew 6. Lay it out for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay it for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thine eye be single. Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So, and again, perspective having the right perspective verse 25 therefore 
So we take 19 and so on. We have the proper perspective, kingdom-minded. Therefore, I say unto you, and then Jesus goes through the take no thought. You know, don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be fretting over the things that often we fret about. And so we must not let ourselves become preoccupied with simply the mundane things of this world. We also talked about how we are to be observant to the amazing care of our Heavenly Father. Look at verse, turn over to chapter 7, just by way of review. Verse 9, Matthew 7, verse 9. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gift or give good things to them that ask him? And so because God is sovereignly in control, as Christy mentioned, and he has given us a fatherly love, a heavenly father, he, Jesus, he, he, he rides in on that on, in Matthew 6. And then he goes on to say, you know, this is the stuff that the Gentiles seek, which is, again, that, you know, you and I are Gentiles, but it's the, it's the distinction there that, that he's making is, is that you've got a heavenly father. You are a believer. Don't worry about this stuff. I take care of the birds. I take care of the lilies in the field. I take care of all of that stuff. I am going to take care of you. And we, we honed in on that for, for several weeks. Do you remember the poem a few weeks ago? Said the wildflower to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the wildflower, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly Father such as cares for you and me. And God takes care of the smallest of things. He's going to take care of you. Remind yourself of that this week and the weeks to come. And then a few weeks ago, we studied how humility is tied directly with anxiety. Turn to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Humility is directly tied to anxiety. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you, subject one to another, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Again, what that picture is, is he, at, at, in his due time. When's that due time? His due time. His due time. I, I, I don't know when the heavy hand is going to stop. I don't, I, I don't know when the situation is going to be. He'll exalt you out of that trouble. Doesn't mean he's going to exalt you to where you're great and popular. That's so often what it, you know, how that verse is just ripped out of its context and says, hey, submit yourselves and, you know, God will, you know, God, God will take care of you with that. Exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then we concluded our study, and we're going to continue to conclude, excuse me, turn to 2 Thessalonians 3. We started this last week, and we're going to conclude this week. So there's a lot hard to in six, seven minutes to really kind of review what we've spent seven weeks on. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself 
Notice that. This is an attribute of God. Often when you think of attributes, when we think of attributes and we list them, we're thinking of, you know, we, we often will think of, you know, that he's omnipresent, that he's holy, and that he's loving, that he's gracious, he's all wisdom. But he's also peace. So it's, this, is a, this, is a divine, this is a divine nature type peace. Now the Lord of peace himself give. Remember last week we talked about how it's a gift? And if you continue down, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, the, it's in Christ. Excuse me. And so it is a gift. This peace is a gift. And what is it a gift based on? Of salvation. And so we, we, we get this peace. We get this divine-natured peace. It says to give you peace always. Which means that it's always available at any moment, at any day, and then notice the, the next three words, by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so a final characteristic of God's peace, which of course would be the opposite of worry, the opposite of the anxiety that we face, it is not subject to circumstances. It's not subject to circumstances. It's by all means. This peace is not subject to anything that happens in the worldly realm. We talked about last week how often the way that uh, peace is defined in our world, it is defined as a sense of calm, tranquility, quietness, bliss, contentment and well-being that we feel when everything is going the way we would like it to go. And isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Those, those, those are beautiful words. Bliss, calm, tranquility, quietness. My home was a little quieter last night because the grandparents have the kids. All right, So my home was just, ah, oh, it was so much quieter. I mean, every once in a while, you know, Sarah would scream. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally teasing. Um, but it was so quiet, blissful. And often that's how the world would do this. And yet they say, you know, that, that, that it's apart from trouble. Yet it's incomplete because those feelings can also be produced by all kinds of things. We talked about that last week. And yet it's not based on the circumstance. We know that it's uh, literally a fruit of of, of, uh, of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And so it's not built on any human relationship. It's not dependent on human feelings. It's not dependent on human decisions or situations. Rather, God's peace is built on a divine plan. It's built on a promise from an unfailing God who will secure you in Himself and who will do everything for His glory and your good. You and I, we've got to come to that conclusion that God has our good in mind. See, here's what, need, well, here's what, here's what we talked about last week. It's, it, it's, it's so important that we do not dethrone God and then elevate ourselves to the throne of our hearts. Because when we do that, then we are the ones that are deeming what is good. We are the ones that are deeming what, hey, this is what I want and this is how my life should go and these are the circumstances of what my week and my month should look like. When you and I, if we're honest this morning, they rarely go as planned, do they? No, they don't. 
And so you and I, we've got to submit to the sovereignty of God, to the control and to the power of God. And so you and I, we realize that God does things for His glory and for our good. And this peace is a product of an unchanging divine relationship. And it's unbreakable. And it is transcendent to situations and circumstances, to news. And we rejoice, Sonia, that your sister wasn't harmed heavily in that. But peace would be connected with no matter what kind of news that would have been. And the reason why, continue to pray for Larry. They're, they're, they're thinking this tumor could have um, some, some cancer. And is that correct, Frank? And so, again, depending on uh, where, that, where, 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 where that news lies, is that you and I, we've realized that this peace, which is the opposite of anxiety, is because of a divine relationship. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If your answer to that is yes, then you've been given this divine gift. It's a gift based on what you've been given in Christ and His Spirit working in you. And as you are dominated by the Holy Spirit, as you are being filled and walking with the Holy Spirit, giving Him the control of your life, guess what? You and I will be women, men and women of peace. And it's not connected to the circumstances that happen in our lives. He says, give you peace Always, by all means. Jesus in the upper room with His disciples, He's foretelling of His death. He's really beginning to explain the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how another comforter has got to come. I've got to go away. This is, this is needful for you. Men don't fully understand it. We, can under, we, we get it. And He says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What Jesus was saying is there's nothing to fear or be anxious about because I'm giving you a divine, lasting peace that cannot be fractured or damaged by the world. Now let me make a statement here. We demonstrate that Jesus keeps His promises when in the midst of worldly upheavals that would normally tear you apart, that would normally trouble your lives, when you and I remain calm. When you and I remain calm. I think of, I believe it's Acts 16, I'm not 100% sure, but they have, the church at Philippi has begun to be started. Uh, Lydia there, the seller of purple. And then there's the uh, woman that had the spirit of divination. She was able to foretell the future. And then Paul, they come in through his, and his band are coming through the town. And this woman is miraculously, the demons are cast out of her by the, uh, by, by the power that Paul has there. And then I, I, believe, I believe it's in Acts 16. And then the, uh, the owners, so to speak, of that woman, they get really upset because she's no longer telling of the future anymore. And what do they do? They get Paul and Silas. They get thrown into prison. They get beaten. And now they're in this deep, dark dungeon of a prison. It's nasty. And at midnight, what do they begin to do? They begin to sing and praise. And what's interesting, when you read the text there, 
is that it says, when the prisoners heard them. Can I make a statement? You are being watched. I am being watched. The world is observing. Right? And so, man, here's some, here's some pressure. Listen, the way we live out the circumstances of a fallen world, it does matter. It does matter. I mean, most times when you and I, when we're having hard times, what happens at nighttime? You start stewing on it, right? You know, throughout the day, something happened, and at nighttime, man, you're like, he starts stewing on it. Paul and says, again, they're not our heroes. They, 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 they are a type of, of who our hero is. In Christ. And they sing praises. They prayed, and they sang praises at midnight. And in the, on, the viewers that were going on, of course, then the, the earthquake happens and the walls uh, come down. The, you know, the, the, the jail opens up and the jailer's getting ready to kill himself. And they're like, no, 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 wait. We're all here. We're all here. And they took observance of what happened. So listen, when, when the pressures of life come, when, when the difficulties have come, realize that you actually have a Holy Spirit calmness in you. You have the very nature of of who God is. God's attributes are who He is. And he, when, he, when He gives you gifts, He's giving you Himself. And you have the peace that is necessary to make it through whatever it is that you will face this week. And you have a, you have a Savior in Jesus Christ that was... Uh, he, he's empathetic to what we are. He's our great High Priest, Hebrews 4 tells us. And that when you and I, when we're going through the difficulty, we can come unto Him, we can come to the throne of grace, and we can receive help and mercy and, and, and help in time of need. Look, Notice at the end of 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 18. He's prayed this wonderful prayer toward them, for them, that they would have this amazing peace and that they would not only have it in the good times, but they'd also have this peace in the bad times. By all means, no matter what the circumstances are, that you would be just living out your, your new nature in Jesus Christ. And then verse number 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. He wanted every man and woman who would ever put his or her faith in Christ to experience the abiding presence of God's grace. Grace is God's goodness, so to speak, or His benevolence given to those who do not deserve it. Grace and truth, they were realized through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. John 1 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It was the person of God, the Son, Jesus Christ, that the grace of God had appeared unto salvation for all men, Titus 2.11 says. And so once we embrace this saving grace through faith in Christ, we are blessed with this amazing grace. Turn to 2 Corinthians 12, please. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, in a transparent moment here to the church at Corinth, He's kind of describing, you know, a difficulty that he had in, had in his life. And he's coming to God over and over again. God, can you, can you, can you take this situation away? Look at verse number 7. 2 Corinthians 12. 
And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Two different times in verse number 7. Why do we suffer? Why do we have hardships? I don't know, always. I've told you that before. But Paul says, you know, lest I get too prideful, lest I get puffed up, God gave me this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Verse number 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so you, you and I, we, we want it cushy. If we, were, if, if we were on the throne of our life, we'd, we'd, we'd want it nice, wouldn't we? We don't want the aches and the pains and the sorrow that, that comes with this world. But God often will use that to shape you into the image of Christ. He will use that. It's that weakness that, 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 that He is attracted to so He can give you the grace so that you can be through that difficult trying season. Whatever it is that's causing you the anxiety, that's causing you the fret, that's causing you the worry, the wringing of your hands, it's so that He can be elevated as you live through that with the peace that's necessary, with the grace that is necessary. And this grace also is wonderful because what it does is it equips us to serve others. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. In other words, can I just kind of just to be able to serve others? Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? It means he, he would injure people. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. It was before, of course, he got saved. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. When you and I are struggling in bouts of anxiety, worry, and fret, you know one of the things that we ought to do is we ought to take our eyes, I'm going to talk more about this at 11 o'clock, we ought to take our eyes off of ourselves and we ought to put them on others. Because here's what happens. Oftentimes when I'm in a, a season of anxiety, when I'm in a season of you know, depression, often it is an introspection in my own life. And I'm worrying and I'm fretting about you know, where, you know, how's this need going to be met and so on and so forth. And and it's, it's often relates to me. And yet, when you and I, when we will take our eyes off of ourselves, the kingdom of our own selves, kind of go to the kingdom of God, we're going to become others-oriented, kind of closing uh, the whole thing here together. Kingdom of mind is you're going to take your eyes off yourself and you're going to place it on someone else. And that grace that's been given, that peace that's been given, it's so that you actually can serve somebody else. But we like to be served, don't we? Yeah. But you and I, we've been freed to serve. We've been freed to be a blessing to somebody else. But, but, 
but Ryan, you don't understand. I'm going through this situation right now. I'm the one that needs to be ministered to. Man, let the Holy Spirit minister to you and you go minister to another person. It'll change you. It changes me when I have those proper perspectives. God's grace, it saves us. It helps us. It helps us to cope with our anxieties. It equips us for service. Enables us to grow spiritually, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we, as we conclude this, I want to conclude by just telling you something that almost sounds too simple. You have what you need to stop worrying. Either we're going to believe it or not. <gasps> so harsh. You have, I have what I need in Christ and all of the ramifications of that in my life, in your life. Ryan, you're being so mean right now to stop it. Don't let that cause more anxiety in your life, okay? Just let it go. But we have what we need in Christ and in the ramifications of Christ to literally be able to live in circumstantial peace. No matter what the circumstances are, to live out the opposite of what anxiety would be. And so Jesus, as Ron po pointed out in that, in that text, He's like, hey, if you're worrying... Hey, 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 stop. And if you're not worrying right now, there's going to come a day when you have that opportunity. Don't start. Why? Because you've been given the peace of this divine nature of who God is in you. And He gives it to you. It's a gift in your salvation. The ministry of the Holy Spirit living outside of you. And then cast all that care, all that stuff that, that you want to worry about, just cast it on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. And the evidence is so abundant in that. And so let's continue to war. And listen, we've, we've, been, uh, we've been given some stuff over these weeks, but tomorrow and the next day, we're going to have to kind of put our fists up again. And let's just remember some of the things that we have learned. And my prayer is that uh, we will see uh, some victories uh, in this area of our life. Lord, we love You. We thank You that we can love You because You first loved us. We thank You that You care for us. We thank You that You that you meet our needs. Now, if truth were to be known, often I put many, many wants in my needs list. And yet, God, You are so gracious and so kind that You even, you even bring those to pass. And Lord, I pray that in our times of anxiety, our times of fretting and worrying that leads to dark places of depression and that Lord we would we we would get in front of it that we would realize that as Jesus did in the sermon on the mount that often our worry and our anxiety will come because our perspective is not aligned properly we are more focused on earthly things rather than heavenly things
And Lord, I pray that you would remind us to set our affections, to set our longings, our desires for, uh, for you and for uh, what you desire. Lord, may we go to work tomorrow and be on time and do the absolute best that we can. Why? For your kingdom, for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, I pray that we would, that we would realize this peace that we've been given, that it is always there and that it is by all means no matter what comes into our day, that we have this, this peace that, doesn't, that, that never goes anywhere. But may we realize that. And uh, may we press on in the days ahead. And may we be uh, good stewards of this gift of peace. And as the world is watching around us, uh, may we exalt you as we, um, as we push off the anxiety and the worry in our life. Well, and I pray that, God, you would just take something over these weeks and that you would encourage our people with it. I know that you've taught me much. And, uh, Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.